Let us ask for the Lord's blessing in the preaching of his word. We do give thanks and praise to you, Lord God of heaven and earth, that you have given us your Son, who is your Lamb, the one who takes away the sins. Help us to see his glory and be transformed ourselves from glory to glory so that we might bring honor and praise to him who is the King, even Jesus our Lord, in whose name we pray. Amen. We are still in the season of Epiphany. You probably noticed that several of our hymns today were reflective on Jesus bringing the light and the truth to us. Today we're going to read our text from John chapter 1, verses 29 through 42. The next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who was preferred before me, for he was before me. I did not know him, but that he should be revealed to Israel. Therefore I came baptizing with water. And John bore witness, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and he remained upon him. I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, Upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. Again, the next day, John stood with two of his disciples, and looking at Jesus as he walked, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned, and seeing them following, said to them, What do you seek? They said to him, Rabbi, which is to say when translated, Teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, Come and see. They came, and they saw where he was staying, but remained with him that day. Now it was about the tenth hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Now when Jesus looked at him, he said, You are Simon, son of Jonah. You shall be called Cephas, which translated is a stone. In this passage... There's a lot going on. We're going to get into that in a moment. But I want us to begin to think a little bit about what we understand as the important things in life. What are our true enemies? What are the things that we think are our top priorities? You know, when we think about this kind of thing, it's easy for us to reflect and look at a child, let's say, and say, can a child make a good decision relating to the priorities of what they should eat? How confident are you that they can make the best choices? Yeah, I expected to hear a few giggles out there on that. Or how about this? How about a child's aversion to sleep? They get this, I must play, right? They can be tired out of their minds and yet they will not surrender to going to sleep, even though that is the remedy that they require. I'm going to tell you a story from my uh, childhood um, that is 
I thought about this and wrestled with how to share this because to a certain extent, it may feel like dropping a little bit of a bomb, but I, but I want to share this with you. When I was seven years old, and my, I grew up in the church, when I'm seven, seven years old, we, we, after church on a Sunday, we go to a friend's house for lunch, and the elders and deacons were meeting, so my dad was at the church. And the day before, I had gotten a balloon from McDonald's. If you remember back in the old days, stretching way back, McDonald's gave out balloons regularly, and they had just a, a little black outline on an orange balloon of Ronald McDonald. And they were just fun to get. And I'd gotten it the day before. And you know how balloons, healing balloons like this are. The next day, they don't really sail into the sky. They just kind of drift a little bit. Well, I had brought mine to church, and it was in the van parked out front on the other side of the street. And I went and asked my mom, hey, can I go get that balloon out of the van? She said yes. I crossed the street. I get the balloon. I come out. And I'm standing there, and, and part of this, this part right here will be a little bit of, as a child, what I remember. I remember standing out there with my foot just kind of waiting to dash across the street. Now, I don't remember precisely if I stepped out or if the guy swerved in, but I was hit by that truck. And I had that balloon in my hand, and I was hurt bad. This wasn't like a tap. This was, this was really bad. And when I got hit by this truck, I let go of the balloon. And so the balloon, of course, day after, it's not sailing up. It's just drifting across the road. And in my childlike mind, all I could grasp is, I must get my balloon. <laughs> I was convinced that what I needed most in that moment was that balloon. In my state of shock and in my childlike mind, I could not see or understand that I was crushed, broken, and dying. Just to put that on pause, the, 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 the doctors were amazed I wasn't killed at the time. I didn't know that I wasn't okay. I didn't know how life-threatening my situation was. Praise be to God that he sustained me and that he sent others who knew that I needed help. They knew what I needed. The first man there, I, I to this day I was reflecting, thinking about this yesterday. I would love if he's still living to go and thank this man. But there was a guy who had been working in the yard across the way and he saw me get hit and he ran out there. And like, I'm like, balloon, I'm, I'm dragging myself, uh, balloon. In my mind, I was making progress. I have no idea. <laughs> but, but just for perspective, my leg was broken. My head was bashed and bleeding. Um, and I was, in, I was in terrible, terrible shape. But he knew what I needed. He stopped me from crawling. He put his hand on me gently and said, don't move. And then he brought me a pillow. He had someone run and go get a pillow. You know, I'm bleeding everywhere, and I, I imagine they tossed that out. He comforted me. He brought me to the help that I needed by keeping me still until the paramedics arrived. 
people of God, we need to understand something here. We need to understand that we construct all the time remedies to our problems, to our sin, all the time. We think we know what we need to be relieved of what ails us, what the remedy is. As we consider this passage today, I want us to consider that Jesus is the Lamb of God, the remedy to our actual problem. Jesus is the Son of God. And our response to these truths are to become disciples and to go and tell others that they too may become disciples. As we think about and consider our passage today, it's important that we look at the passage just before it for just a moment and consider it. The passage prior to this, we see an inquiry from the leaders of Jerusalem to John. This is after Jesus' baptism. John has continued to prepare the way for Jesus after his baptism. In fact, later on we see that in John chapter 3, that some of John's disciples are concerned with Jesus' ministry growing. John reminds his disciples that he is not the Christ and that his joy is filled seeing God's word being fulfilled in Jesus Christ. John says this in verse 30 of John chapter 3, He that is Jesus must increase, but I must decrease. He who comes from above is above all. He who is of the earth is earthly and speaks of the earth. He who comes from heaven is above all. So we know that John has continued to minister since Jesus' baptism. And so we see that the priests and Levites are looking to keep their positions of religious authority. The leaders of Jerusalem were threatened as God worked through John to prepare the way. We see that in Jesus' ministry, these jealousies will continue, both of the religious and political leaders of Israel. These jealousies were preventing many of the leaders to not recognize what their true problem was. They thought it was keeping their position of power. They thought it was maintaining things as they were. They did not know that their sin prevented them from drawing near to God. They were confident in their own heritage. As we see in Matthew chapter 3, verse 9, it says, And do not think, this is John speaking to them, Do not think to say to yourselves, We have Abraham for our father. For I say to you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones. Here, they felt confident in their heritage. They felt confident in their religiosity. They felt confident that they had a form of godliness. They looked a certain way. They lived publicly a certain way. But we know simply from the narrative of Jesus' life that they were always in back rooms conniving and coming up with ideas with which to take Jesus out and to supplant him. You see this over and over again. They did not recognize that their sin was blocking them from drawing near to God. As we return back and look at our passage in John chapter 1, we can see in verse 19 that it says this, Now this was the testimony of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, 
Who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, No. Then they said to him, Who are you that we may give answer to those who sent us? What do you say about yourself? And he said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord. And this is out of the book of Isaiah. We see that the prophet said in Isaiah chapter 40, beginning in verse 1, Comfort, yes, comfort my people, says your God. Speak comfort to Jerusalem. Cry out to her that her warfare has ended, that her iniquity is pardoned for she has received from Yahweh's hand double for all her sins if we go down in chapter Isaiah chapter 40 down to verse 3 we see the quote that John says here the voice of one crying in the wilderness prepare the way of Yahweh make straight in the desert the highway of God they did not want to get on the highway they didn't want to go on the straight path There is such grace that their iniquity has been dealt with in Christ. We see in Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 11 that there is a prophecy from God where it says, He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arm and carry them to his bosom and gently lead those who are with young. These are promises of what Jesus will do. It is important to remember that from the fall of Adam unto Christ, that mankind has been separated from God. God graciously set up ways to draw near. We see the pattern in the Old Testament that God draws near and has given instructions to his children so that they may draw near. This included instructions to Israel to be priests to the world so that the Gentiles could draw near. As a matter of fact, The only religious feast that excluded the Gentiles was Passover. God's plan from the beginning has been to reconcile all nations to himself. Consider Isaiah 55, verse 6. Seek Yahweh while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to Yahweh and he will have mercy on him to our God for he will abundantly pardon Just like children who cannot see what the real danger is, the religious and political leaders, along with many in Israel, held views that the biggest challenge in their lives was to be rid of their political rivals and oppressors. They relied on their oral traditions instead of Scripture. I want to pause right here because sometimes today we can get in this same mindset that the biggest challenge that we face today is our political rivals and oppressors. No, people of God, it is the sin that is in our lives. We cannot rely on great speeches of men. We can't look to men to deliver us political or religious, because Jesus is 
the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. That is our true enemy. This passage continues with the Pharisees questioning why John continues to minister. Look at verse 24 of John chapter 1. And it says, Now those who were sent were from the Pharisees, and they asked him, saying, Why then do you baptize if you're not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? And John answered them, saying, I baptize with water, but there stands one among you whom you do not know. It is he coming after me is preferred to me, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to loose. And then it ends with, These things were done in Bethabara, beyond the Jordan, where John was baptizing. You know, we see that he says that I'm here, I'm baptizing, I'm preparing the way, and there is one actually here among you. And don't be deceived, folks. You don't think that when John baptized Jesus, remember, this is not all that far from Christ's coming. you got 30 years. You don't think that the word spread from Bethlehem to Jerusalem is not that far. Do you think that people didn't recognize something was going on when Herod came out and killed those babies? They knew what was going on. That's why they were afraid in Jerusalem, or one of the reasons. And here, Jesus comes. He's baptized. We know, we talked about this last week, how the heavens were ripped open. The Spirit came down on Jesus. And God the Father spoke, this is my beloved Son, right? You don't think that that word didn't get around, that something had happened out there at the Jordan? Why do you think that they showed up, that they sent out emissaries, and they just kept doing that? They knew something was up. He was saying, look, I'm here, I'm preparing the way, but there's one among you, there's one already here, alive, you know he's out there. And we see that they were not caring. They weren't saying, where is this guy where this, this, this thing happened? That wasn't what was on their mind. They weren't seeking him they were like oh there's something going on over here we need to go see what's happening and if we can disqualify john we're going to do that they're not seeking jesus at all our passage goes on and says the next day it actually begins our passage from today the next day this reference here is the next day from this questioning by the priests and levites and the pharisees John expects that the hearers of his gospel will have already heard the accounts of Jesus' baptism in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Those all preceded the writing of the book of John. John does not include all the same details. But we know this from the gospel of Mark, that following Jesus' baptism, that Jesus immediately leaves the area of the Jordan. Let's look at Mark chapter 1, verses 12 and 13. It says this, immediately the Spirit drove him, this is right after Christ's baptism, into the wilderness. And he was there in the wilderness 40 days, tempted by Satan and with the wild beasts, and the angels ministered to him. So we know that following this baptism, just like when the people of Israel left Egypt and they were baptized in the Red Sea and they went into the wilderness for 40 years Jesus goes from his baptism into the wilderness for 40 days by the way Satan's not confused about who Jesus is he twice says if you are the son of God right he knew what God had said at the baptism 
But, Je- but Jesus is out for 40 days from his baptism, praying, seeking God, being the faithful son of Israel, and he comes back. And this is when Jesus is walking back up. This is where we get to where John makes this witness to who Jesus is. He makes two declarations. He says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. In verse 30 he says, This is he who I said, After me comes a man who is preferred before me, and he was before me. He said, I did not know him. Until that time in which God spoke, At Christ's baptism, John the Baptist didn't know Jesus was the Christ. He had some inkling of what was going on because he questions him. He says, he says, if I'm how can I do this? I should be baptized by you. But he didn't have the clear declaration because he knew our passage tells us that how he was going to know that this was the one. Right? The one to whom the Spirit comes and descends and rests upon. That was going to be the absolute confirmation. And he said this in verse 32, And John bore witness, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and he remained upon him. I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, So God told him, told John, Upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And then it says that I have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. So he saw the Spirit come. He heard God's voice. And he is now testifying to this. This is really important. As I was studying this week, I uh, was reading in John Calvin's commentary on John. And he makes, uh, I just thought, a beautiful statement. I want you to hear this. The principal office of Christ is briefly but clearly stated that he takes away the sins of the world. By the sacrifice of his death, he reconciles men to God. There are other favors, indeed, which Christ bestows upon us, but this is the chief favor or gift. All the rest depend on it. And by appeasing the wrath of God, he makes us to be reckoned holy and righteous. From this source flow all the streams of blessings that, by not imputing our sins to us, he receives us in to favor. Accordingly, John, in order to conduct us to Christ, commences with the gratuitous forgiveness of sins which we will obtain through him. Jesus takes away the sins of the world. He is the Lamb of God. You know, we're here in the church, and I know to some degree most all of you have heard this before. You know this. We need to be reminded that Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away our sins. John, by this declaration, is shining the light on the self-deception that was held by so many in Israel that their greatest enemy was their sin. John boldly declares to both his hearers that day and all who hear this from God's word that we need our sins taken away and to be healed from our transgressions against God. 
The prophet Isaiah prophesies in Isaiah 53, verse 5, but he, that is Jesus, was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Unfortunately, a lot of times this passage has is, is been misconstrued, at least in, in circles that I've come from, that this was all about the healing of the physical body. But that really, if we have physical ailments, we do can and should go to God and ask for healing. But our primary issue, our primary problem are our sins. We need our sins forgiven and our transgressions healed by the work of Christ. In his second epistle, Peter tells us that Jesus is the fulfillment of Isaiah 53. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24 says this, who, this is Jesus himself, bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. Peter tells us that because of Jesus' work on the cross, that we have been healed. Jesus bore all our sins. We, too, have died to sin so that we might live for righteousness. Jesus takes away our sin once and for all. Before the work of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the priests had to make daily sacrifices, which were not able to take the sins away. Hebrews chapter 10 tells us in verse 11, And every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice, and this man is Jesus, for the sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God, from that time waiting until his enemies are made his footstool. For by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. People of God, we need to recognize that our greatest enemy is sin. Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. We see John also make a declaration that Jesus is the Son of God. John tells us in his testimony concerning Jesus, he told us that he saw the Spirit descending on Jesus and that God had revealed that the one whom the Spirit descends upon and stays is, as he says in this verse, that he has testified that this is the Son of God. And this is a fulfillment of Isaiah chapter 11, verse 2. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, and the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. We know from all the other gospel accounts that God the Father spoke of Jesus' sonship at his baptism. Just to quote one in Matthew chapter 3, verse 17, it says, And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. This brings us again to another declaration of Jesus where he says in verse 35 and again the next day that John stood with two of his disciples and looking at Jesus as he walked, he said, Behold the Lamb of God. We're going to see the disciples that are standing with Jesus respond to this. They're going to be staying with Jesus and they're going to be bringing others to Jesus. The two disciples heard him, that's John speak, and they followed Jesus. And the scriptures tell us, then Jesus turned and seeing them following said to them, 
what do you seek? Now, this is interesting. They leave John. These men were clearly disciples of John the Baptist. And he declares, this is, behold, this is the Lamb of God. And they wake up and they start following Jesus. Jesus turns around and says to them, what do you seek? You know, today we're very much more likely, if we were walking down the street and somebody was following us, we would turn around and say, why are you following me? And we'd, be, we'd have all kinds of suspicions. Jesus doesn't have those kinds of suspicions. Their response is, they said to him, Rabbi, which is to say, when translated teacher, where are you staying? Seems like an odd question. And he said to them, come and see. And they came and saw where he was staying and remained with them that day. Now it was about the 10th hour. There's a, a measurement put in there. And he goes on and says, of course, in verse 40, one of the two that heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. Andrew and another disciple of John, um, of John, <coughs> excuse me, Andrew and this other disciple of John, they hear John once again declare that Jesus is the Lamb of God. Perhaps it was the repetition. They could have been there at Jesus' baptism. We don't know that. But they certainly were there around him, hearing John talk. He's talking about Jesus, I'm sure, as he calls people to repentance. But on this day, in this conversation, when John says, Behold the Lamb, they're like, wait a minute, this is who John's been talking about? I need to go follow him. But Jesus asked them, what do you seek? Then what seems to be a strange direction, the conversation revolves around where Jesus is lodging. These disciples seem to react in accordance with David from Psalm 27, verse 8. When you said, Seek my face. My heart said to you, Your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your, your servant away of anger. You have been my help. Do not leave me or forsake me, O God of my salvation. So here they know that they need to seek God. They know that the Lamb of God is there. And so what do they do? They say, I'm going to seek your face. Don't hide your face from me. I want to be where you are because you are the God of my salvation. Jesus responds in a personal way when he leads them to his abode. He says, come and see. This reminds us of the prodigal son where in Luke chapter 15, when they arose and came to his father, but he, when they were still a great way off, the father saw him and had compassion and ran, ran and fell on his knees and kissed him. Here we see Jesus turn, and he has compassion on Andrew and the other disciple that was there, and he says, what do you seek? Like, we need to follow you. Where, where are you staying? We want to dwell with you. And he says, come and see. Jesus had compassion and offered peace. Andrew and his friend know that they are sinners, and they see themselves in light of Isaiah chapter 64, verse 5, which says, You meet him who rejoices and does righteousness, who remembers you in your ways. You are indeed angry, for we have sinned, and in these ways we continue, and we need to be saved. 
our passage tells us that they stayed with Jesus for the remainder of that day. Now, in due course, Andrew, knowing that he has found the Son of God, the Lamb who takes away our sins, he is driven then to go and find his brother and bring him to Jesus. In verse 41, it says he first found his own brother Simon and said, We have found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ. And what did he do? And he brought him to Jesus. Now, when Jesus looked at him, he said, You are Simon, the son of Jonah. You shall be called Cephas, which is translated stone. Our passage ends with Jesus demonstrating both the personal work of Jesus, but also his omniscience. Jesus calls Peter not just by his name, but also Jesus knows Peter's father's name. This level of God's knowledge and care for us is reassuring. We see in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4, Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise and glory of his grace, by which he has made us accepted in the beloved. People of God, we are chosen, we are known, we are predestined by God, not because we are worthy, but because of his good pleasure to do so for his own glory. Because of the work of Christ in his calling personally to us in his grace, we too should be like Andrew and seek out others to share the message that Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we give thanks to you for providing your Son to take away the sins of the world, including ours. Please provide what we need to live out our daily lives in full acknowledgement and with the actions as to please and bring glory to your name. Enable us to be faithful disciples and disciple makers. Please do these things by the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, world without end. Amen.